good morning, Gospel Hope. I would say, since we're going to DR, I need to practice my Spanish. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Good job. You passed the test. You can come playing with us. What a joy it is to be here with you this morning. Uh, it's been an emotional uh, few weeks. It's so glad to have family from Indiana coming to visit, making the trip, and the ways they have uh, blessed and ministered to our family, it's uh, unbelievable. So thank you. I wanted to say thank you to you and for opening your hearts uh, and your ministry opportunities for us, many ministry opportunities for, uh, to minister to my family. I, we are deeply uh, indebted to you for the way you have loved us so well. Thank you, Ryan and Rod, Pastor Ryan and Rod for the invitation to come and be part of this church and be sent out by you. I could not have asked for better pastors and leaders that would care for my soul and for my family's soul and for our uh, well-being in many ways. So thank you so much. Also, I wanted to say thank you to our community group. Uh, Zach and Leonard leading the community group have done a, an amazing job just caring for us, always involved in our lives, praying, uh, every now and then you get a text from Zach and Leonard uh, just sharing how they are uh, keeping us in their prayers before the Lord. And it's, it's uh, very, very encouraging. By the way, I encourage you to join one of the community groups as we relaunch in the next uh, few weeks. As you relaunch, I'm not going to be here, but as we relaunch because you're sending me. So it's a we uh, effort. And finally, I, I cannot... Uh, start the sermon without saying a few words uh, about Randy and Julie McCammick. Uh, Randy's here. Uh, they have, I lived in their basement too, so I just live in a lot of basements when I was here in the States. From college, I would just, that's where I could get for free. Uh, and it's so good to see Randy here and uh, uh, sending us as well as part of our, of our uh, ministry. Uh, I remember the many times that he would call me up and uh, um, get dinner and lunch and things ready for us and caring always for me. So, Randy, uh, I love you, buddy, and it's so good to see you here. Uh, thank you. Alrighty, Grace City Church, Ciudad de Gracia. It's going to be the name of our church. DR is about 10.4 million people and 3.4 are just in the city of Santo Domingo, a fast-growing city with a lot of need for church multiplication. We've been blessed with robust, solid ministries that have taught the, the Word of God for many years, but very little multiplication is happening right now, and our hearts is to come alongside of what God is already doing in the DR, not like we have all the answers to everything, and join into God's effort to expand the gospel alongside other brothers and sisters who are faithfully doing it right now. DR has a very unique uh, 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 position right now in the world because Santo Domingo specifically has become a global city. Many countries like Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Haiti, our neighbors who have gone through a terrible earthquake recently in the past few days... Uh, they have relocated themselves and live now in Santo Domingo to try to escape political oppression or to better their, their, their family situation. They are 
uh, setting shop in Santo Domingo right now. So as you, walk, as you walk through the city or through the malls, you're going to see different nationalities represented in the island. And our vision, our burden is like, what if we are able to reach the nations in our own country, in our own city of Santo Domingo, and then send them out to spread the gospel to their own uh, families and friends and neighbors in their own language, in their own uh, country. So that's one unique aspect of the work and ministry that we hope the Lord would, in His grace, enable us uh, to do. But also, uh, the Lord in His mercy has given us opportunities to have a team who is going to be waiting for us in Santo Domingo. The Ciudad de Gracia is going to be uh, uh, a group of families that are coming together. Pastor Carlos in the picture, Karel, Pastor Roberto, and and myself, we're going to be uh, the four families that are going to be launching Ciudad de Gracia by God's grace. And our desire is to uh, build a church by God's grace that displays the grace of Jesus to our city and to the world. We want to make disciples of God that glorify God, love His church, and go on mission. You see, we've been blessed by the generosity of the American church by sending their own missionaries to the DR. Our church was planted by a missionary. It's the result of an American missionary. And now we believe that it is the time for us, as we have the, some training and resources, to mobilize the Dominican church now to move from the, from the joy of receiving these blessings from outside and now to be the distributors of that blessing by giving the gospel out. And we want to be the Dominican ourselves. We want to be now the sending the next missionaries and pastors and church planners for the sake of the gospel. And reach the whole city of Santo Domingo and the island with the gospel. So would you pray for us as we hope to begin some meetings uh, in September. And then, Lord willing, launch in on the 16th of January of next year. We would love for the Lord to um, clarify and open the door there for us to, to do so in His time. Thank you again, once again for your uh, uh, sending of our family. I would like to uh, direct our attention now to John chapter 12. The passage this morning we're going to be looking at John chapter 12. And my desire is to encourage you and me to walk away from here this morning with a motivation by and because of the gospel to make our lives count for the sake of Jesus. I want you to walk away today and say, you know, I want to make my life count. I don't want to waste my life. I want to live my life in a way that it counts for the kingdom. And I believe this passage here will help us, will direct our hearts and our minds to hopefully embrace that call from Jesus today. John 12, verses 24 through 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let's pray. Father, we need you this morning. 
Once again, we surrender to you this time, and we ask that you would guide my words, my thoughts, my mind, and that I will be able to, with clarity, point people to you, to the glorious message of Jesus, saving and enabling sinners to make an impact in this world. And as a result, you receive the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Throughout church history, from the early church to modern uh, day missions, many of us have probably heard the stories of great men and women who gave their lives for the sake of the gospel. Maybe you're familiar with the name of Adoniram Judson and Anna Judson, who uh, were the first American missionaries who went to Burma and served there for 25 years. This mission, this ministry did not come uh, easy. It came with terrible trials and pain, having to bury his children and first wife on the mission field. Many of you have heard of Jim Elliott, maybe, Nate Saint, and Ed McCauley, who died by the hands of dangerous people in the jungle of Ecuador. There is something noble and inspiring when you hear stories like the stories of these men right here. But I want to encourage you with this reality, with this truth. God, in spite of the ex ex amazing work that he did through these men, and we read their biographies, and we are, we are amazed at God's grace and power and influence in their lives. I want to remind ourselves this morning that God works through ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary work for his glory. God works through ordinary people like you and me. Let me remind you of some of them from, from the scriptures. God used an unknown Jewish woman by the name of Esther to preserve a whole group of people. God used an 80-year-old uh, man by the name of Moses and called, him, and called him to lead a great nation out of Egypt from slavery. God called a fisherman like Peter who denied him three times to be an apostle of the good news of Jesus Christ. God used a, a poor widow who gave everything she had in the offering plate to teach the religious leaders what pure generosity looks like. God used a wealthy merchant woman by the name of Lydia who after hearing the gospel uh, funded many of the church plans and the apostles ministry in the early church. And God today wants to use you in your ordinary lives. Maybe you are the single parent mom raising your children uh, with little to none resources. Maybe you are the school teacher who wants to invest your talents and your gifts not only to teach him education but also to teach him character. Maybe you are a, a widow here who doesn't have much but you want to use your gifts for the glory of God. And what about men and women who have given their lives for the sake and protection of this nation by God's grace? And when they kiss their family goodbye before they go on deputation, they don't know if they're going to see them again. It is inspiring when you hear stories like that. When you understand that their lives are not wasted, that they have made their life count. Now, the question is, how do I do that? I remember uh, the words of the famous evangelist City Stott who said, one, only one life till soon be passed. That's all we got, one shot. We don't get do-overs, we only get one shot. Only what's done for Christ will last. What are we going to be known for? What are we going to be known for after we pass from this world? I want to encourage you to make your life and my life count for the sake of the gospel. 
And I believe Jesus here is reminding us of three important truths that would help us understand how we die to ourselves and how we give our lives for the sake of his name and make our lives count. The main idea is this. We must learn to die if we want our lives to count. We must learn to die to ourselves if we, if we want our lives to count. Number one, truth number one, to bear fruit, you must die. To bear fruit in your life, we must die. Verse 24, look with me. Truly, truly, I said to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much Fruit. What is going on here in John chapter 12? Well, verses 1 through 12, Jesus has been anointed and he enters uh, anointed in the, in the city of Bethany and after resurrecting Lazarus. Then he walks into the city of Jerusalem in a donkey and people are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And then all of a sudden into this, to the picture, a group of Greek men, people that were not uh, Jewish, they come and they say, we wish to see Jesus. And then we get to verse 23, and Jesus says these astounding words. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So you're going to expecting the disciples to be thinking and, and, and waiting for this glorification to be a big blowout, a big inauguration of God's kingdom and power in this world through Jesus Christ. You can imagine the disciples saying, okay, Jesus is going to be glorified. We've seen all his great miracles, so he must make or he must be planning on a big army that is going to take over the Romans and conquer our oppressors. And then Jesus' words in verse 24. Here's how he's going to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is talking about his death. He is definitely challenging the disciples. He's telling them what he is going to do. He's saying, I, I must die in order to bring you fruit. I must die in order to bring you the fruit of salvation. And like in many other teaching moments throughout the Gospels, Jesus once again uses the imagery of, of farming to illustrate his point. I didn't know much about farming. I know a little bit now that I visited many times uh, southern Indiana. But one thing I know is true. I don't see any special replica of an acorn or a soybean hanging on the windows or on the doors as, be, as posters of this great little grain of wheat or being, or, or being, uh, being displayed. Nobody reveres that little bean or acorn. Why? Because it needs to be thrown into the ground in order to make it worth it. We cannot protect it. If we protect that, that grain, that acorn, then what we're doing is we are missing out on the reproduction, on the harvest that God wants to give you and me. The seed is a representation of our lives. That seed, when it falls into the ground and dies, then it bears much fruit. Your life, when it's, when it's surrender, when we die to ourselves, then God brings about significant fruit from it. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. And I was wondering as I was going through this, what it would look like for my life to remain alone or not to be willing to die. What does it look like when you and I live for ourselves and we are preserving, protecting our lives 
as the most valuable thing in this world. Well, I was, I was thinking through some ideas here of what it would look like. And I think a life that does not, is willing to die and remains alone, the Bible says here, I believe is a life that is an, an isolated life. When somebody's not willing to die, to sacrifice, to pay the price for something, you're going to find very isolated people in their apartments, in their workplaces. I was in Denver last week, and I, I, we were talking with the Uber driver, and he said, I don't have any friends, just my girlfriend and I. We work, we work out, we go home, we shut the doors, and that is our lives. You know what? A very isolated life. And you and I, when we're not willing to surrender, to throw our lives into the ground, into the floor for the sake of the gospel, we're going to be isolated from other people. And the first sign that you need to look for in your own heart when you're being tempted with sin and, 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 and the enemy luring you away is that you have become a very isolated person. You don't want people to talk to you. You don't want to come to church. Community group is not a priority. Why? Because I am not interested in dying for Jesus or for others. It's a joyless life. The person who is isolated is a person that doesn't have any meaning, doesn't feel like it has a purpose in this world. It's a person that is never, is never satisfied. It always wants more. And ultimately, a life that is not thrown into the ground for the sake of the gospel and dies, a seed that is not thrown into the, into the ground and dies, is a life that will have little to no impact. And I wonder if some of the, the struggle that we might have that, and desire that we have to make an impact would have to do with the, with the reality and biblical truth and gospel truth that we have not been willing to die. We have not been willing to die in our relationships at home. We have not been willing to die in our relationships at work. We have not been willing to die in our relationship with our neighbors. And unless you're willing to die, Jesus says, you will not bear fruit. You will not reproduce the likeness of Jesus in your life who came and gave his life for you and for me. We must die. Husbands, you don't have to win the argument every single time. You need to learn to die. And I think Jenna said amen. I don't know what she's at. <laughs> we need to learn to die. No death, no fruit. Church, in what area of your life is the Lord calling you to die today so that you can bear fruit in following Jesus. In what area Jesus is saying you must die? Number two, truth number two. We not only need to die in order to bear fruit, but also we need to, Jesus' uh, Jesus's truth is, is this, number two, to keep your life, you must hate it. To keep your life, you must hate it. Now, this is very important here because Jesus uses a very strong word. I was discussing this with Jenna last night before we went to bed, and I changed the word, the word hate to the word despise, so it's a little bit softer. But then as I kept reading the text, Jesus uses the word hate. And, and I think he has the intention to, to be heavy on our hearts, to be hard, to be hard to listen and to embrace. Because in reality, we all love our lives. You are your number one fan in your, in your world and in your life. 
And Jesus says in verse 25, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And this is where the message of the cross is so countercultural to what we know and we hear today in this world. We hear always preserve your life. We hear people trying to save their skin and trying to live their life for themselves. And Jesus says, by the way, if you try to keep your life, you are going to lose it. What does it mean to keep your life? The word here, to love your life, the word here is, is, is the word for love, phylon or philon. And it's translated as to have deep feelings and affections for something. So Jesus is saying, if you have deep, strong feelings and affections just for you, and life is all about you, then he said you will lose it. Because you're going to trump over people. You're going you're gonna to crush people around you because if they don't go do the things that you want them to do, then you're going you're gonna to do whatever it takes for you to be the sovereign king of your life. And Jesus says, if you live that way, then you're going to lose your life. But then Jesus says, whoever hates his life will keep it for eternal life. What does it mean to hate your life? First of all, it doesn't mean that we do not enjoy the blessings God has given us in this life. Our families, our jobs, our possessions, our life in general. We must be grateful to God for his faithful provision in our lives. So, to hate my life, it doesn't mean that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in confinement. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up my phone and my Facebook. And I'm going to isolate. I'm going to become the next monk, right? And I can't have any relationship or any material possessions. To the contrary, we have to use the resources and gifts the Lord has given us for His glory. So, so to hate your life doesn't mean that you're going to isolate yourself. To hate your life is also translated as to love less. To love less. To hate your lives in the context of what Jesus is speaking here wants to communicate the very idea of dying by saying, you need to love me above all things to the point that your love for others, it doesn't even compare. Look at John 14, Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me, if anyone says, I want to follow Jesus and does not hate, again, strong word, his own father, and we can say, does not love less. Put the word there. Does not love less. His own father does not love less. Mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. And yes, does not love less his own life. He cannot be my disciple. In other words, Jesus is saying, I have to have the total preeminence in your life. To love Jesus with all our hearts and minds and soul is just to be so fixated in his glory and goodness and presence in my life that my love for my wife looks very different compared to the love of Jesus. My love for him is ultimate. I love how Kevin D. Young puts it in this little paragraph. Um, I, I added it last minute here, so it's not on the screen. But listen carefully because I think it's going to be very helpful as to what it means to hate your life. Listen. What Jesus is saying is that humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. 
he continues to say, it is not thinking less of yourself and like saying things like, I'm terrible, or I'm not good at anything, or I'm ugly, or I can't do anything right. It's not that. No, it's thinking of yourself less. Listen to this phrase. It's learning to replace the endless focus on self with endless focus on Christ. You cannot say it any better way than that. To hate yourself means that I'm going to make my life's pursuit to stop looking at myself so much and begin to look at Jesus all the time. It's to make Jesus the main focus of my life, the endless focus of my life, and, and stop looking so much inwardly. I was telling them the, 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 the first uh, service here that I was struck by this passage because, to be honest, you know, uh, preaching in English is not my, 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 my forte. I, I struggle. I, I, I'm too concerned with how I sound, right? And, and is my accent kicking in at point number two? Or is it slowing down? Or, or, or you're losing your hair, and it's, which is true. Uh, and all that, you know what it says? Oh, Manuel, you're so selfish. Just thinking about you. You're, you're drawing attention to you when there's a group of people that need to hear the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not about you. It's about him. So you see how we are called to die to ourselves? Are you always thinking and protecting your skin instead of working to serve and love others? J.I. Packer says, readiness to die is the first step in living, in learning to live. You want to learn how to live for the glory of God? Get ready to die. Get ready to die. And Jesus is calling you and me, O oh church, to this important truth. To keep your life, you must think less of yourself. Next time you are tempted to put yourself in first place or in the pedestal, remember the words of Jesus. Think less of yourself and have an endless focus on me, Jesus. Number three. Uh, truth number three. To be honored, you must be a servant. So Jesus says, if you want to bear fruit, you need to die. If you want to... Uh, 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 keep your life, you're going to lose it. And to be honored, you must be a servant. And I think this is very important because look with me at verse 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And I think that's key right there. Because Jesus is trying to bring some sort of uh, not only a Positive talk into the conversation because it's been so hard. Oh no, this word he's given. No, he's given us a grounds for us to pursue the excellence of dying to ourselves daily. And here what it is. I am going to be honored. I am going to be exalted by my father. Not by my wife. Not by my pastor. Not by people that are going to clap and pat me on the back. No, your father in heaven will honor you. And if we think less of ourselves and more about Christ, the most important opinion in the world is what Jesus thinks about me. 
Isn't that wonderful truth? Wonderful news. Oh, how, how much freedom we find in knowing that the most important opinion in this world is what Jesus thinks about me. And yes, we blow it sometimes. Yes, we pursue the honor of other people and other things. And Jesus is saying, if you die to yourself, you know what's going to happen? I am going to bring you before the Father and you're going to hear these words. Well done, faithful servants. In the little you were faithful, enter into the joy of your heavenly Father. We all want to be recognized and honored. When you do a good job at work, when, you, when the wife makes a uh, cooks that beautiful dish and she asks you, how is it? You need to be truthful. I remember when Jenna made pizza for the first time. It was good. It's just that the, the, the cross raised, r rose like, it was like big chunks of bread around the cross. And I said, it's, it's good. It's good. And she said, tell me the truth. What was she trying to do? Well, she was trying to, to get appraisal, and, and rightly so. Like, am I a good cook? You know, can I do this? And we do that all the time. You, at your work, you turn in that project and that report, and, you, and you're expecting an email back from your boss saying, hey, good job, man. With our lives, Jesus comes and says, if you die to yourself daily, if you think less of yourself and if you follow me, you know what's going to happen? My father will lift you up and, and honor you. So the question that we ask ourselves is, let's be honest, Manuel. This is hard. I woke up this morning and life was about me. I had a hard time getting to church. I didn't almost want to come to church. But I heard that we're going to give food away. So I'm, I'm here this morning. Because I want to eat some Dominican food. It's hard to live that way. Let's be honest. Tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to go to work. And, and your, your co-worker is going to ask you to die by helping her doing something. And you're going to be like, oh, I can't. It's about me. I need to protect my life. I need to protect my own things. It's hard. So how do we get the the ability, the power, the strength to do so. And here's the good news of the gospel then. Read with me uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is amazing. Because what Paul is saying, after experiencing the grace and forgiveness of Jesus in his life through, through uh, the gospel, Paul writes these powerful words. For the love of Christ controls me. Christ's love on the cross for my sins, it just controls me. It drives me. Everything I do, and then you can almost insert there Philippians 1, for, to me, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then he says, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. So Jesus died for your sin and for my sin. And his death on the cross pays for the sins of those who place their faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Verse 15. And he died for all. That those who live, listen, might no longer live for themselves. But for him who for their sake died 
and was raised. What Paul is telling us, that yes, the way that you receive the ability and the power to die daily to yourselves, to think less about you and more about Christ, to serve Christ so that you receive His honor, the way you do that is by embracing what Jesus already did for you on the cross. He died on the cross so that you no longer are enslaved to your own selfish desires. But now, through His power, through His Spirit, you can say, I am going to die today. I am going to live a life that makes my life count. And how do you do that? Not by mere willpower. You do it by hanging on to the gospel. He died. He died on the cross. So that you no longer surrender your life to your selfish desires. But give it up to, for him. And that is wonderful news. That is wonderful news. So yeah, we're going into the mission field in, on Tuesday. And you might not be called to be a missionary. But you are called to be present and dying to yourself every day in your current situation and context ordinary people like you and me dying every day will transform the world with the gospel what is it that god is calling you to die to in order for you to bear fruit for him finally i want us to respond in three ways number one salvation Maybe you heard this message and you're like, it, I've heard the gospel language. I've heard about Jesus. I grew up in church, but I really don't have an understanding of the gospel. And, and Manuel, you know, I, I, I am an expert, selfish person. I live for me. I want to challenge you to, as you hear the words of Jesus, have you heard the words of Jesus this morning that you would just... Just cling to him and confess your need for a savior. The only way you can have victory over your selfish desires that are sending you to an eternal separation from him. The only hope is him. Would you run to him? Would you come and talk to one of us, to one of the, the worship uh, members here, or any, anybody that, that you, you think comes to our church, and we hope to point you to Jesus. I don't want to walk away without giving you an opportunity to come to your Savior. You don't have to fix it all. You don't have to say, I'm going to try to be less selfish this week, and then next Sunday I come and I receive Jesus. No, just come as you are right now. Jesus wants to save you. Jesus wants to cleanse you. Jesus wants to give you freedom so you no longer live for yourself, but live for him who died for you. I want us to, number two, respond by having a mutual ministry of praying for one another. Mutual ministry. Let's be honest. We cannot do this alone. We cannot. Countless times I've been... Uh, sitting there in community groups and just not feeling it. And don't act like you, you're, I'm the only one because I know you, you also struggle online. But you know what? Hearing Zach and Leonard pray or, or Felicia and George pray, it just encourages my heart. So we need one another. So I want, you, I want us to respond uh, 
in mutual ministry, let, let us encourage one another to love and good words, the Bible says. Maybe you need to join a community group. Maybe you need prayer in an area. Don't walk away today from this building without seeking somebody to pray for you. You are not alone. And finally, let's sing together. Let's sing our hearts out for the one who came and died and buried, was buried and resurrected on the third day. And now the hope of his gospel is the one that we sing with joy. And it is that same Savior who is going to stay here and go before you, reaching Decatur for the gospel, with the gospel. And it's going to go with us as we land in Santo Domingo this week. Oh, church, let us die for the sake of him who died for us. Make your life count for him. Let's pray. Father, it's all about you. And I just pray right now that you would graciously, Lord, draw some to you right now. Lord, would you do that right now? Maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know you. Maybe somebody here that is just kind of struggling. And there's that one thing or that one relationship or that one sin that he or she are clinging to that is preventing them from surrendering their lives to you. Father, yes, we celebrate what you're doing in Gospel Hope and we pray that you will bring many to come to know you. If that's you, I encourage you once again. Come and talk to one of us. We want to point you to Jesus. And church, let us be a church that as we die daily, we proclaim and display the beauty and goodness of Jesus to this world. In your name we pray. Amen.